You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. One of the things I like about videos like that, again, is just it takes a very powerful, very deep message and it kind of just simplifies it, kind of makes it simple to kind of really understand the big picture. And that's kind of what I want to talk about this morning. We've been kind of working our way through this series on going from kind of burnout to balance or, or from places of just being overwhelmed, overstressed again, into places where we can have peace and, and a sense of harmony, uh, despite all of the chaos and unsettledness that is going on around us. And we see that more and more uh, in the world. Every week that seems to go by, there seems to be new issues that complicate and stress things in our life and uh, in our world. And a lot of times we kind of think the way to really simplify things is that, you know, we've got to maybe go and and join a convent or we've got to kind of go to a monastery or, you know, we've kind of got to get off the grid and, you know, sell our cars. And we kind of have all these really radical ways of of trying to simplify our lives. And and yet it really doesn't need to be that difficult. And again, we kind of think if we can just kind of get back to the old days, or at least I do. And I feel like, you know, if we could just get back to the days of leaving it to beaver, right? I remember growing up and kind of watching that and everything was very, very simple. Any kinds of issues of complication or stress, I mean, they were all resolved basically within a half hour, right? Uh, And everything kind of went back to being uh, hunky-dory. And again, we look at uh, just the books that are available out there for people right now on, on simplifying their lives. Again, this is not a new concept. It's, it's been around for decades, and uh, every so often a new book comes out uh, on how to simplify your life. And the problem with a lot of these books is they really don't simplify. Uh, just take, for example, um, the, uh, one of the titles was called The Simple Life, The Joy of Simple Living, Over 1,500 Ways to Make Your Life Easy and Content. Now, who has the time or energy to try to implement 1,500 ways or, or items to simplify your life? 365 simple reminders, uh, ways to keep life simple, simplify your life, 100 ways to slow down and enjoy the things that mattered. Now, the one I loved, uh, and you see these, I think they have like a whole series of books around this one theme, but this was kind of the one I loved. The Complete Idiot's Guide to Simple Living. Now, it's, it's not bad enough that your life feels kind of overwhelmed and out of control, but then you're kind of compared to kind of being an idiot uh, on top of that. There's one book that that kind of talked about the simple life, and it was like 872 pages long. Does Does this sound simple to anyone? Only in America can we take the simple life and kind of turn it into a multi-million dollar uh, industry. And often these books, as you kind of read through them, 
They kind of all read alike, um, and they're written about the same way. And they start with a very simple statement about simplifying or slowing your life down or reorganizing it. Uh, and then they kind of expound on that principle for a page or two, and then they give you a new principle, and then it's just kind of the, the same cycle throughout the book. Now, thankfully, the Bible and Jesus certainly talks a lot about the simple life. And we're going to talk about a few of those things this morning. And he said a lot about things that we could do, very practical, simple ways that we could just kind of slow down and, and change the pace uh, of our life. And what's amazing is uh, Jesus lived this simple life. And we'll get into that a little bit more uh, here in a few moments. And again, th this simple life that Jesus you know, advocates, it's not about 1,500 things that you need to do. He said it's really very simple. And so this morning, I wanted to kind of just look at three very simple ways that, that Jesus lived a simple life and then again calls us to live a simple life as well. But I think we need to kind of come to kind of a decision in our lives when it, when it comes to a very busy, hectic, stressed lifestyle, I think we've got to ask ourselves, are we really here to try to just, are, are we just wanting to reorganize our life or are we really looking to revolutionize our life? If we're just here really to kind of reorganize our life, then really any of those books I just mentioned will probably do uh, the trick quite well. But if you're really looking to kind of revolutionize your life, Jesus Christ is the only one who can really um, do that. And we want to just, uh, again, talk about ways uh, to uh, how to revolutionize our life. Now, one of the differences between the books I mentioned and, and Jesus is the books that there are written on, on simplifying life usually kind of start from the outside and then work inward. So they'll kind of tell you, oh, you need to stop doing this um, on the outside. And then eventually, as you do those things on the outside, it'll eventually work its way onto the inside and you'll kind of start to feel more organized and a sense of peace. Jesus is different in that when Jesus works to simplify our lives, when he's trying to revolutionize our lives, what he wants to do is he wants to start on the inside and work outside. So he starts on the inside, and then as we begin to kind of implement what Jesus is talking about, it begins to kind of flow out in an outward manifestation. And so this morning, I want to kind of just talk about three very simple principles um, that we find there in the Bible. And, and again, these are things that we can do to kind of simplify our lives. And the first one is we just need to simplify the way we speak. Now, again, the Bible has a lot to say about the way we speak, both the way we should speak as well as the things that, you know, we should say, the things we shouldn't say. And for most of us, again, nothing of what I'm going to share this morning is new. You're not going to hear anything I say this morning and go, wow, that was really, you know, brand new. I, I didn't know that. A lot of times what we need to do is just be reminded of the simple truths that the Bible um, has there for us. And so, for example, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, it's, Paul says, so stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. 
And again, that's not anything new. That's not something you probably haven't heard a thousand times over. Just again, that simple thing, don't lie. And again, that's pretty simple. We all know that. And yet how often we do it and then just justify it. Oh, it was just a little white lie. No one got hurt. What is the big deal? Everybody does it, right? We all find ways to kind of justify lying. The problem with the little lies is that they eventually kind of build up to become bigger lies. And you probably have heard the saying, to hide one lie, a thousand other lies are needed. And again, while it might be tempting to tell more lies to cover up the previous one, doing so can lead to a web of deception that becomes increasingly difficult to maintain. Now, one of the interesting things about this particular verse there in Ephesians 4.25 is Paul is addressing the church. He's kind of talking about the body of Christ there. He's talking to Christians. And he's talking about this need for us to, to be honest, to be truthful um, with each other, with ourselves, and our relationship with God. And, you know, for example, you know, we will say or, or maybe we'll do something that kind of has hurt somebody's feelings or, or have upset them. And we kind of come to a place of conviction where, you know, I shouldn't have said that, I shouldn't have done that. And we'll go to that person that we said or did those things against and we'll apologize. We'll say, you know, I'm really sorry I did that. I'm sure I hurt you. And again, one of the ways we kind of lie about this is we'll kind of pretend that it never bothered us at all. Oh, oh, that's all right. I didn't think anything of it. It didn't bother me at all. When in reality, the truth is, it did hurt us. It, it, it offended us or, or it kind of created a, a lot of anxiety uh, in our relationship with them. They're trying to make it right by coming uh, to us, repenting, taking responsibility for what they uh, said. And, and again, we kind of respond in a very untruthful, we kind of lie about where we were at and how we were feeling about that. And again, no matter uh, when, where we're at or what we're going through, again, when we speak the truth, again, that is when it holds the greatest potential for healing and restoration in our relationships. <clears throat> Another way we can Simplify the way we speak is Philippians chapter 2, verse 14. Do everything. Now, everything is everything, right? Do everything without complaining and arguing. Some of your translations will say grumbling. If some people didn't complain or argue or grumble, they wouldn't have much to say. Ever been around people who are kind of grumblers, they're complainers, or they, they kind of turn everything into an argument? And they're the kind of people that can really drain the life out of you. And again, the antidote that uh, Paul gives us there is in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 through 20. He says, instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs amongst yourself and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything so don't grumble, complain about anything, but give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So again, it, 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 it's simplifying the ways that we speak. Jesus had something to say about this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 37. He said, simply let your yes be yes and your no be no. 
And again, that's just a, a way of just saying, honor your word. Do what you say you're going to do. And again, it's pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward. Again, it's nothing new. But how many times is our yes, yes, and our no is maybe, possibly, I might. And Jesus just simply says, let our lives, let our schedules, let our commitments, let our responsibilities be yes or no. And one of the things is, is that we say yes to too many things in life. I love what one business journal uh, wrote. It said this, what separates the peak performers from the weak performers is the first group says no to anything that's not important, while the second group says yes to everything. A lot of us, when we look at like our commitments, we look at our schedules, you know, we kind of look at uh, the, the time that we have, we kind of look at it like we're kind of at a smorgasbord, you know, we're kind of at, at China Buffet, and, and we just want it all, rather than kind of selecting, you know, the, the, the best things for us, kind of that smorgasbord mentality is, I, I want it all, and we just kind of start filling our plates and our, our daytimers and our schedules uh, with, with everything, and we're so weighed down because we've said yes to everything that we're really not able to enjoy or to be able to honor uh, the things that really are important uh, to us. So again, we get so many great opportunities in life. And because again, we're afraid to say no and we're saying yes to everything, oftentimes we kind of find ourselves just rushing uh, and uh, just being overwhelmed and not really doing uh, anything well. One of the other things we fail to do when we're asked to do something, and again, the, the scriptures are very clear on this, is sometimes we just forget to count the cost. You know, Luke chapter 14, verse 28 kind of cautions us by saying, don't begin. In other words, don't do anything until you count the cost. And then he gives this example. He said, for who would begin construction of a building without first getting estimates and then checking to see if there's enough money to pay the bills? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of funds and then how everyone would laugh at you. So again, he's saying there, before you say yes to anything, just prayerfully and carefully consider what is the cost? What is, what is this going to require of me? What are the expectations? What is the time commitment? You know, what is the effort that it's really going to take for me to do it? And I, do I really have the time? Do I really have the resources? Do I really have the effort? Should I really be saying yes to this? Now, I remember the kind of learning this lesson pretty early on uh, in life. I had been approached by the Quad City Times, which was our local newspaper there uh, in, in Davenport, about becoming a newspaper carrier. And the first and the only, I'm telling you, the only thing I considered or thought about in that decision was the money I was going to make, $45 a week. And I remember my parents kind of setting me down and they were explaining all of the other commitments I was saying yes to. It wasn't just the money. There are other things you're committing to. And we want to make sure that you're aware of that before you take this on. And they said, first of all, you're going to have to commit to doing this for a full year. That, that's what they required. If you were going to take this on, you had to commit to doing it for at least a year. Every afternoon, 
Every Saturday, Sunday morning, for one full year, I had to commit delivering that newspaper. And my parents were emphatic that if I took this commitment, I was going to see it through. There was no backing out. And again, this wasn't a problem to me because after all, I was going to make $45 a week. And that was a lot of money for a kid my age at that time. Second of all, my parents made it very crystal, crystal clear they were not going to be doing any of this. They were not going to be driving me around on days uh, where it was snowy or rainy, if it was cold. Um, and again, they, I, I just said, no problem. After all, it was a warm and sunny day when I was making that decision. And did I tell you, I was going to make $45 a week. Well, I counted the money and nothing else, and I made the decision to become an official newspaper carrier of the Quad City Times. First couple of days were great until that first Saturday morning. I had to get up at 5.30 in the morning. It was dark. It was also raining cats and dogs that morning. After the first morning, I was ready to quit. After the second week, I was begging to quit. After the third week, I was desperately looking for someone who would take this route over for me. The thing about that $45 a week that I did not understand going into this relied on the people I was delivering the newspaper to to pay their bills on time. So there would be every week I would have to not just deliver the paper, but I would have to go out and collect the money for the newspaper I was delivering. And it was just certain times where, you know, people weren't home or if they were home and saw it was me on the porch, you know, wouldn't answer the door. There would be times where they would bring like a 50 or a $100 bill to pay their bill knowing I wouldn't have that kind of change. Oh, you'll have to come back some other time when I have smaller change. There would be weeks where I was, would have to pay for the newspaper um, because you had, to, you had to kind of pay for the newspaper, um, and then whatever was left over, that's what you got paid with. And there were weeks where I, I would pay for the newspaper and not even have a dollar left over for myself. The other thing I did not count on or factor into this uh, decision were all of the complaining phone calls I would get uh, from especially the Sunday morning newspaper. And it was the largest, the thickest, the heaviest newspaper of all week. So I would get home around 7.30, having delivered those Sunday morning newspapers. I'd no more get to sleep. And one of my parents was in there waking me up and, and calling me to the phone because somebody didn't get the comic page or you know, the weekly coupons were missing. I'm just telling you, it was the longest, most miserable year of my life. But it taught me, or began to kind of teach me, the importance of counting the cost, weighing all of the factors. And it also kind of taught me, again, just that, that uh, need to be able to honor my word, to let my yes be yes, my no be no. It taught me to count the cost before I made um, my choices. So that's the first way, is just to, again, simplify, again, the way that we speak. The second way that we want to simplify our lives is just simplify the way you act. 
And again, simply the way we act or react or interact, especially in our relationships with other people, um, the Bible has a lot to say about that. And we all know that, com- that relationships can become very complicated quickly. Have you ever been to a formal dinner party and sitting in front of you are all of these plates and, and silverware and, and glasses and you're kind of looking at all of this and you're kind of thinking, I've got to use the right utensil at the right uh, time for the right part of the meal uh, um, or they're really going to kind of look at me like I'm some kind of a, of a hick. And do you know that there's a very, very simple way, a rule uh, to remember if you ever get into a situation like that? And it's a very, very simple rule, and it goes like this. Start from the inside out. Or start start from the outside in. That is the way that you do it. So you start working your way from the outside in. And again, it's just amazing how very simple rules like that um, can uncomplicate um, our lives. Jesus also gave some very simple rules for relationships. And he said, if you're ever trying to figure out how to react or how to respond to somebody, especially if you're in kind of maybe a a difficult or, or a tense relationship with them, Jesus said one of the best ways to figure out how to navigate through that relationship is just simply ask yourself this question. How would I want to be treated in this situation? How would I want to be responded to in this relationship? And again, you work from the outside in. And Jesus said this in Matthew 7, 12. He said, here's a simple rule, a simple thumb guide of behavior. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you. That's the inside. Again, what am I feeling on the inside? What is my need on the inside? And then you work, and then he says, then grab the initiative and do it for them. That's the outside. So you work from the inside out. And again, we call that the golden rule. Again, we often play by different rules in this world. And the golden rule simply says you treat people the way you want to be treated. Again, this is nothing new. And yet, how is it when we get into these very tense, these very difficult relationships, we kind of forget that. That that kind of just goes to the wayside. We sometimes want to play and we want to live by a whole different set of rules. Often we want to live by the rule that says, I'll treat you the way you treat me. You snub me, I'll snub you. You're nasty to me, I'll be nasty to you. If you're going to be rotten to me, I'll be rotten to you. And that's often how we kind of move through our relationships. And then we kind of sit back and wonder why our relationships often are so ugly and complicated. And again, it's just we're going back and forth and we're kind of just reciprocating what was done to us, we do to others. If you are nice to me, I'll be nice to you. And again, it just gets very, very complicated. Now, Jesus says, I'm supposed to think how I'd like others to treat me and then treat others that way. And there's an honest human question really that that comes into play when we do think about this, and every one of us has what's in it for me. What am I going to get out of this? And again, who is the golden re- rule really for? If I start treating others to quit, 
and treating people this way, again, I'm going to get taken advantage of. If I'm nice to you and you're not nice to me, you're going to take advantage of that. You're going to use that to your benefit. If I start treating other people this way, again, we kind of feel like I'm going to get walked all over. I'm just going to be treated like a doormat. If I start treating other people the way I want to be treated, people are just going to take advantage of that. and They're going to use that against me. And we think, is this really going to work? And Jesus knew that we would feel this way. And he says to us in Matthew 2, 3, do you want to stand out? Do you want to stand out? Then step down. Be a servant. And again, see, we want to be served. You serve me, I'll serve you. He says, if you want to stand out, step down and become a servant. And Jesus models this. He said, I didn't come to be served. I came to be, or I, he said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. He says, if you puff yourself up, you're going to get the wind knocked out of you. But if you're content to simplify, be yourself, then your life will count for plenty. So again, the question is, do we want our lives to count for plenty? Jesus said, think about how you would want people to treat you and treat them that way. Think about what you want people to do for you and then do that for them. And again, when we do that, life will become much less complicated and then we can kind of stop thinking about positioning ourselves in any and every circumstance so that it benefits us. Again, oftentimes when you take the position of a servant, oftentimes it's not going to position you in, in the best way but it will, it will position you in the most effective way. And we just start thinking about other people, how we want to give and how we want to serve, and then we just start doing that. And by the way, Jesus said there's no better way to stand out in this world, there's no better way to make an impact in this world than doing this. The third thing that Jesus talked about to us is simplify the way you live. Again, as you look at the world around us, we kind of see the pace, we see the hurriedness, we see the hecticness of life. It just seems to be kind of ramping up and getting more and more. We live in a world where things are becoming very accelerated. I mean, again, it's amazing to me when you look at technology. I mean, it just seems like you, you get one thing in technology kind of figured out, you know how to use it, and then they go and they'll update it, they'll add all these new things to it, and it, it just further, in my mind, complicates things. You kind of get one thing figured out, and then you go to use it again, and it's all new or different, and you can't figure out heads or tails. And we, we again, we live a full life, but oftentimes it doesn't translate into a fulfilled life. We're always on the go, and again, we, we rarely have time to just stop and be in the moment to invest ourselves uh, in that very moment. And again, there's so much process or information to process. I read one time where there was actually a time in the history of the world where you could read everything that was available to be read. Can you imagine doing that today, reading everything that is available to be read? And that's, again, where you have to be very selective and you have to choose, what do I want to fill my mind with? You know, what do I want to access? What do I want to read about? What do I want to learn about? 
And again, there's so many demands on our time. So again, it's more important that we simplify the way we live if we're really gonna try to be serious about following Christ. I love this in 1 Thessalonians 4, beginning with verse 11. And it simply says the, um, this about life. It says, make it your goal. Or some translations say, make it your priority to live a quiet life, to mind your own business, and work with your hands. Just as we instructed you before. So again, Paul's repeating himself here. He said, then people who are not Christians will respect the way you live and you will not need to depend on others. Again, very, very simple, very basic. Live a quiet life. Mind your own beeswax. At least that's what they used to say when I was growing up. Mind your own business, mind your own beeswax. And work with your hands. And again, Paul says, make this a goal for your life. Make this a priority. And I want you to understand, Jesus himself even lived a very, very simple life by observing these three things. Now again, we all know that Jesus lived on the earth for probably a little over 33 years. And if you've ever read through the Gospels, you have a lot of details surrounding his birth. We know of Mary and Joseph, you know, taking Jesus to the temple to be circumcised eight days after his birth. Mary and Joseph, they flee to Egypt to escape Herod's uh, reign of terror, and they take Jesus with them. We find the story of the three wise men uh, who come to Mary, you know, when, when Jesus is, is around the age of two to give to them uh, gifts. And then we skip then to the age of 12, and we learn of Jesus going with his parents one time to Jerusalem for the Feast of Passover. And when that festival was over, that, that caravan uh, left to return back to Nazareth. And they're a couple of days into the journey, and they come to realize Jesus is not among them. And so Mary and Joseph, they become very worried, and they go back to Jerusalem, and they're looking for Jesus. If you're familiar with the story, you know they find him there in the temple, and he's kind of listening uh, to the, the teachers of the law, and, and he's asking them questions, and people are marveling at, at this 12-year-old and, and his insight, his wisdom, um, and his knowledge. And the event ends with these words in Luke chapter 2, 51 through 52. And Jesus went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. He just, he subjected, he submitted himself to Mary and Joseph. And it says in that time, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. I, I just mention these events to you. And, and these again are all recorded in scripture. But those events surrounding his birth and his, his very, very early life and that episode that happens there around the age of 12, we don't really see or hear or know anything about Jesus again until he is baptized by John the Baptist in the River Jordan. And after that time, we see a lot about Jesus. We hear a lot about Jesus at that point in his life. But we really don't know a lot about Jesus, about the things that he did those first 30 years of his life. So much so that biblical scholars, they kind of have a, a term and they kind of coin those 30 years, kind of the silent years. 
And I just think it's interesting to me as I stopped and thought about that and reflected on that this week. Isn't it interesting that God Almighty himself would come to earth? God would live among us. Stop and think about that. God would live among us as a human being. And he would do the vast majority of that living in relative obscurity. Isn't that interesting? God, in the person of Jesus Christ, led a quiet life. We know that Jesus grew up in a very normal Jewish family. He had brothers and sisters. He lived in a very, very small village uh, called Nazareth, which at that time, maybe you don't realize this, but at that time in Jesus's day, the, the, the village of Nazareth, it was made up of about 35 families. Nazareth was so small and it was insignificant and it was looked down upon by most people. And you may remember the statement made by Nathaniel before he actually met Jesus. And he says there in John 1:47, can anything good come out of Nazareth. And again, that just speaks to the, the, the way that they look down upon Nazareth. So Jesus, he doesn't grow up in the hustle and bustle of the big city of Jerusalem, but rather he grows up, God grows up in a remote, in a insignificant village, basically surrounded by 35 other families. Jesus, the divine son of God. If anyone could handle a life of hustle and bustle, if anyone could handle a hectic, stressed, hurried lifestyle, it would be Jesus, the son of God. But he chooses to live a relatively obscure, quiet life. We know that Jesus' father, Joseph, was a carpenter, and as soon as Jesus was old enough, he would have entered into the family business and he eventually became a carpenter himself. And again, Mark chapter six, verse three recognizes this as the people said, isn't this the carpenter? So we know Jesus learned to work with his hands in order to provide for himself, for his family, and probably did this right up until the time of his baptism and the start of his earthly ministry. Again, Jesus would no doubt have classes where he would you know, learn Hebrew as well as other languages. He, like all Jewish males at that time, would memorize large portions of the Torah. He would have been a part of weekly discussions and teachings there uh, every Sabbath in the synagogue. As a Jewish male of that time, it would be expected of him to go to Jerusalem three times a year to observe and to celebrate the three most important festivals, Passover, the Feast of Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacle. Other than those trips to Jerusalem, chances are Jesus never traveled anywhere else. And again, the reality, the truth is those first 30 years of Jesus's life were spent in humility, toil, obscurity, submission, contentment, and prayer. 
The preoccupation, the focus, the priority of Jesus in those first 30 years would have been loving God, loving his family, learning and serving his father's trade, learning the law and the prophets as he grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And my point being, Jesus embraced and he lived and he pursued a very common, simple lifestyle. Again, one of toil and monotony. And I believe those first 30 years are to serve as an example to us of how we ought to be living as we await his return. First Timothy chapter two, verses one through two states this. It says, therefore, I exert first of all the supplications, prayer, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority that we again may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. The life Jesus lived that the Father endorsed was one of hiddenness, humility, and servanthood. And again, that runs completely counter to today's lifestyles, to our ideas of success and fulfillment. And again, I believe those silent years, those 30 years of Jesus's life should speak to us as a main example of how we ought to be living as well. And again, even as Jesus's life became more visible during those last three and a half years, he knew he needed time away. He knew he needed to disconnect from the needs of the crowd, from the pressures of ministry. He knew he needed to disconnect. He needed to re-engage. He needed to pray. He needed to pursue his relationship with the Father. He needed to get some breathing space. And Mark 6.31 says this about Jesus and his followers, that because so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat, Jesus said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. That same advice needs to be taken to heart by you and me, especially as we are in very, very hectic, we're in very stressed times and lifestyles and schedules. And every one of us, we need that opportunity to kind of disengage, to disconnect, and to kind of just get alone with God, to pray, to be re refreshed, to find a quiet place. We all need that time with God. We all need to be with the one who loves us the most, the one who made us in his image, the one who understands us, who sees the true motivations of our hearts, a place where it's quiet to be with Jesus by ourselves, a quiet place to rest. And it's amazing what a quiet lifestyle with Jesus, what that can really do to kind of help us to just simplify our lives. And again, to, to not just find lives that we're, that we're just kind of living, but that we're living fully. 
so that we are truly interested in simplifying our lives, we just need to begin by simplifying the way we speak. Again, let your yes be yes, your no be no. Honor your word. Simplify the way that you act in your relationship. And again, the golden rule is the best rule. And then just begin to simplify the way that you live. Live a quiet life. Mind your own business. And then just work with your hands or, or, or be employed doing something with the gifts, the talents that God has given to you. Jesus did this. And he did it with amazing results. And he invites us to do the same. And when we do that, we too will discover the amazing results that are ours when we choose to pursue and to live a simple life. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, again, we just we ask you, Lord, again, to help us just to see and to understand what it is we need to see and understand about our busy lives. And God, we're so guilty of just filling our lives and yet not being fulfilled. And Jesus, you said to us that the sheep would hear your voice. And Father, this morning, we just need to hear your voice over our lives, over our decisions, over our choices. That God, the yes we say is the yes we've heard you give us. And Lord, to be able to discern when the time or the situation isn't right or it's not of you, it's not your leading, and to just be able to say no and let it be no. To not feel guilty, to not have to apologize for our no, but just to let our no stand. Father, again, I just, I thank you for the way that Jesus modeled this. And again, it'd be so easy to stand up here and tell everybody else what they need to do, but then not do it yourself. But Jesus doesn't do that. He models exactly what he calls us to. So Lord, help us to make that our goal, to make that a priority, Lord, that we can begin to just live quiet, very simple lives. And God, that we would mind our own business or just kind of tend to our own things, Lord. There's so much going on in our lives, Lord, so much that needs fixing, so much that needs attention, so much that needs direction. So much so, God, that we don't really have time to be running other people's lives, Lord. So help us to just be focused on our walk, And Father, again, just teach us how to, how to work with our hands, to use the giftings, the talents, the abilities that you've given to us, Lord, to be able to glorify you through that. And Father, we just thank you that as Jesus pursued that life, Lord, that, Lord, it was a very fulfilled, it was a very amazing life. And God, you used those first 30 years of his life 
to prepare him and to use him for the last three and a half. God, I believe that what made that three and a half all that it was, was just the first 30 years that preparation allowing you, God, to just shape and to mold his life. And God, we pray that for us as well, Lord, that you would use those quiet times, those times where we disconnect, those retreats, Lord, where we just go to get quiet, Lord, that you would use that to engage, to shape and to mold our hearts. And again, God, when we just choose, again, that very simple lifestyle, that God, you're able to do amazing things with that. So God, just help us to strive for that and not to strive for all of the things that would bring us success or fame or attention, Lord, the things that the world craves and seeks after, Lord. Help us not to seek after those things. And so Father, again, we just uh, yield, we submit, we surrender our lives to you this morning, Father. Lord, we just thank you for those places of rest, of refreshing, of restoration. And God, just lead us, lead each of us, Lord, to those places. We thank you for all of this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.